You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. Go Wild has recently partnered with Mountain Tough for a free 30-day workout program designed to get you in shape for turkey season called the Go Wild Challenge. Download Go Wild to sign up and let everyone know in a Go Wild post that you're joining us. Then, each time you do a workout, tag Go Wild and Mountain Tough to hold yourself accountable. Also, Go Wild will be attending the Great American Outdoor Show February 4th through the 12th. If you're in the area, stop by booth 412, meet the guys, and learn all about Go Wild. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to continue a conversation that we had a couple weeks ago um, about fair chase, about technology, about cell cameras. And today, though, our guest is a little bit more pro technology, a little bit more pro cell camera. And he explains, he kind of lays it all out where he's coming from, his point of view. And without getting in too much detail, I think I, we're, we're just going to keep this intro short and get right into, into the podcast. But it is a really good, well thought out episode from someone who is on the opposite side of what we've already discussed. So uh, I, like, I like having both sides of the story come on, uh, you know, pitch their case because really any conversation in this hunting community there needs to be we need to hear both sides oftentimes guys will come in and they'll go i hate this and then another person will go i hate this and then there's this division there's a split in the community and we don't ever come together which we need to because this is what some of the anti-hunting uh i guess people organizations want they want this infighting and that allows them an opportunity to get in here and uh, ruin our day so i like 
playing devil's advocate. I like having both sides of the story, and it's good to hear both sides of the story. So uh, if you are looking for a saddle, look no further than Tethered. Go check out Tethered's lineup of saddles, saddle hunting accessories, platforms, uh, climbing sticks, you name it. They have it on top of that. You know, and, and what I mean by on top of that is they have the gear. The gear is awesome. It's very well made. It's very well thought out. Now you just need to know how to use it. And the best thing about Tethered is that they have a ton of content, not only on their website, but on their uh, YouTube channel that shows you how to, you know, take the shortcuts and, you know, flatten the learning curve and really understand and know how to saddle hunt the best, most efficient way. And so you can find that uh, on te with Tethered. So if you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. Wasp Broadheads, if uh, you want, in my opinion, this comes down to uh, products that I personally am confident in, that's Wasp Broadheads, right? So if you're a, a fixed blade guy, they have fixed blade options. If you're a mechanical guy, they have mechanical options. I'm a huge fan of, uh, for the mechanical side of things, the a three blade jackhammer. Uh, if I have to use a fixed blade, let's say out west somewhere, I'm shooting a four blade boss. Both of those are badass. They're still made in America. Uh, not all of their heads are, but a majority of their heads are still made in America. And uh, man, that's a win right there. And, and the, the last thing I want to say is that the people who work for this company are just spectacular people. Homegrown, awesome people who participate in the category you know they're they're bow hunters they're they're hunters and so they want to put out a a really good product just as much as we want to receive them so if you're looking for a discount code 20% off nfc20 wasp broadheads next on the list we have hunt stand man if you want a reason to be have your mind in the game more you need to pick up hunt stand and what i mean by that is hunt stand allows you to e scout it allows you to check out all of the stuff that you've journaled and documented with your time in the woods without having to be in the woods, right? And so that that way, when you are, you're basically studying for a test and the test is the hunting season. And so Hunt Stand allows you to be in the game and when the time comes to take that test, to get in the tree stand, to get out there and do some scouting, You've already been in the mindset for, you know, a decent amount of time, and uh, that's a, a benefit. So go check out HuntStand.com, read up on all the functionality, and while you're there, check out the new Pro Whitetail platform. Tons of new functionality uh, that they've uh, j just introduced, so uh, go check that out as well. Last but not least, Vortex Optics, and uh, with Wasp, I mentioned people who are participants in the activity. And so everybody at Vortex is either a hunter or into shooting sports. And uh, that just makes for this perfect handshake between company and product and customer, right? So the products are designed by hunters, by sportsmen, by shooting sports um, enthusiasts for those types of people. And so if you have a question or if there's uh, you know, an idea or whatever, you, you can reach out to Vortex. Someone will answer and, and take your concern seriously. And they, that's why they have top-notch customer service, top-notch products, rifle scopes, red dots, uh, range finders, binoculars, 
uh, I'm missing something here. But anyway, you get the they're they're the number one. They're number one in their their category for a reason. And, and uh, Vortex Optics is the shit. So uh, then, last but not least, so VortexOptics.com. Last but not least, 2023. I, I'm I'm starting to go with this. Two percent for conservation. If you want to learn how to have your business or you personally two percent for conservation certified go visit visit fishandwildlife.org sign up today and and start to give back uh and you can give back to whoever you want if you if you love bugs and pollinators i'm sure there's an organization out there for you that you can give back and allows you to get two percent for conservation certified if you like big bucks you know we got we got conservation efforts in orgs for big bucks and we got conservation efforts for sheep and pronghorns and you name it whatever ducks fish there's a conservation organization out there that will fit you perfectly that will allow you to get two percent for conservation certified so go go check out fishandwildlife.org those are the commercials that's what helps me get paid I appreciate you taking time to listen. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. That would help me out. Go uh, check out the Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page. That would help me out. I'm pretty sure I'm blocked. So if you can even find it, uh, that would be awesome. Uh, Last but not least, you know, just be a good person. Send those good vibes out to people. I talk about this usually at the end of the podcast, but it's important to... To have good vibes all day long. That's that that mindset snowballs and allows others to, to get in a positive mindset as well. So good vibes. Let's check out today's. Uh, I guess I'm going to call it a a fair chase and uh, technology conversation continued. Enjoy. Three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me today, a returning guest and champion of his own life. Mr. Bob Polanik, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Dan. It's uh, it's been a minute. Yeah, I feel like, and I'm going to take responsibility for this because I feel like we were communicating a lot right up until the season started, and then the season st- started, and then we kind of lost touch with each other, and then, like, I, I always, I was like, God, I wonder what he's doing because he's in Iowa, right, or he's in he's in Nebraska and things like that, so. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the greatest season you've ever had, 1 being the shittiest season you've ever had, where did this year rank for you? Oh, probably probably an 8, maybe a 9. I probably I think I've had one or two seasons better than this one, but uh, as far as harvesting the harvesting bucks or deer or whatever, uh it was good. I yeah. killed uh Killed a buck in Nebraska and one in Iowa. First Iowa buck, so that was good to get the monkey off the back. But, um, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have like great, really great rut hunting and encounters. So, yeah, yeah. Well, still got it done though. Okay, so but leading up, so I lost communication with you uh, about. I want to say like September, mid September when we both, you know, we like, I went out West, you went out West. Um, you did you or your wife do the elk hunt this year? My wife did. I wasn't able to get a tag. Okay. So So, uh, we, yeah, we spent, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so you're, you were kind of calling for your wife. 
this year for elk. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And yeah. How, how'd that turn out? Yeah. You know, it was a really good hunt. I think we hunted for nine days. Um, had a lot of really good encounters with bulls. Um, the first, I think the first few days of our hunt, it was warmer. It was probably like a high of 75, maybe even 80. And then a big weather front came in and, uh, hunting really turned on. We had, we had several encounters, but I mean, I, if I would have had a bow, if I would have had my bow with me, I probably, I think I could have shot two cows and two bulls, but just because of the way the, you know, caller shooter setup was, she didn't have those same opportunities. So then that's just how it goes sometimes, but she put some good stocks on, uh, on a couple cows. Um, she got real close to shooting a bull. Just, that's just hard. You know, we're hunting dark timber and you know, her, her ethical range is probably only 40 yards. Um, they wear, um, you know, I'll, I'll shoot one out about to 60 probably. So, gotcha. but she knows, you know, she, you know, she's, she's pretty tough. She draws 55 pounds and, um, she's a, she's a damn good shot. So, uh, I got no problems with her shooting an elk at, at 40. I say, yeah. I got no problems with it. It's her, <laughs> it's her choice. Right, 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 right. <laughs> All right. So no, no connection out in the elk woods out West. What state did you go to? Went to Idaho. Idaho, okay. And then, so this year on your plate, obviously you live in Michigan, so you're going to do a little hunting in Michigan. But uh, Iowa, you drew an Iowa tag and you drew a, well, it's you didn't draw it. You got a Nebraska tag. Um, so leading up to the season, you were sending me some pictures of some pretty good deer. Uh, one in particular in Iowa that was a mega giant. But outside, yep. outside of that... Um, Let's talk about Nebraska first, because I think you you guys headed there first. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, I hunted Nebraska with my wife. Um, I think, I don't know, November 2nd to the 10th or something like that. Um, good hunt. I, sh- you know, I shot a buck. I shot a decent eight point, I think like third day. The weather was absolutely everywhere. I mean, the day we got out there, it was 80 degrees. Within 48 hours, I think it was 30. It warmed back up. We had a morning where my truck said it was 71 degrees um Gee, many by the time i got by the time i got into my tree that morning i mean i cl- from the time i was at the base of my tree to i got to the top of it the wind completely shifted 180 degrees and i felt the temperature drop at least 25 degrees hmm. it was insane so the just a big front coming through you know the you, know, you look at the hourly forecast and it says supposed to go from 70 to 45 over the course of three hours and i think it did that of course for like three minutes so and uh so yeah just some wild weather but we had some really good encounters um my wife she hit a really big buck low and he, he was at 45 yards she thought he was at 40. she didn't have time to range um she just said she ended up taking hair off his off his belly and uh we got pictures of him later that day and he was fine you can even see a wound on him so yeah and so uh you you connected on a good buck now did you go all the way back to michigan and then come back to iowa or did you just hop the river and go right into iowa no i just hopped the river went right into iowa my uh my i had my wife fly home and uh, that way i didn't have to drive back and yeah that's a yeah so it was just a time saver there. Um, Iowa was really good. 
by the time we started hunting Iowa, I don't know, somewhere around like the 10th or 11th, but that cold front came through and it was bitterly cold for, I don't know, seven, eight, nine days. I don't think it ever got warmer than 30 degrees for seven or eight days. So you nailed it as far um, as weather was concerned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like there was, yeah. There, so there's a buck out there. I think we actually did a podcast on him. His name was Trips. Yeah. Um, or we named, we named him Trips. He wasn't, you know, he's not born that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was, uh, he's like a six-year-old deer. Um, he had, I think he had six brow tines. They were all anywhere from six to 12 inches long and just yeah. really heavy, really tall. Yeah. Um, my buddy ended up the first three days that my buddy hunted, there was three of us out there. Uh, myself, my buddy, Mike, my buddy, Jay, my buddy, Jay, was his first year out there and him and I did a scouting trip back in, uh, I think early August, but, uh, he was hunting this area probably about a mile from where I thought trips core area was. And lo and behold, the very first morning he laid eyes on trips for like two hours straight, just watching him dog does yeah. run back and forth. Um, you know, I didn't like see him breed, but just like just nonstop running action. Yeah. Uh, and he saw, he saw him fight off like four or five different other bucks. And so he had a, he had an incredible first two, three, four days of hunting. Um, he never caught up with, with trips and we never saw trips again, but, uh, we all saw tons of mature deer and just a boatload of deer. And yeah, with the weather, it was, it was fantastic hunting. Yeah. So, and then you connected in Iowa too, right? I did. I did. Yeah. Um, kind of, uh, right place, right time. I, uh, I had been staying off this pocket of timber for my buddy. Um, my buddy, Mike, that I've hunted out of state with, I don't know, four or five years now. And he was kind of being pretty lackadaisical about hunting it. He had slept in a couple mornings. He had bailed out one night early. Um, so I was like, well, I'm not going to hold off on this block of timber for you to just continue to sleep in and whatnot. Right. So I, uh, I moved in, I grabbed a tree stand and, uh, you know, there's about an inch of snow on the ground. I just saw a couple runs and I just set up in between them and, uh, it was probably about one in the afternoon, got up my tree, pulled my bow up, knocked an arrow and. I had a bag, I had my release in my left pocket and I had a bag of milkweed in my right pocket and it's all hill country. And I had not used, I've never used milkweed before, but I've heard all about it. So I started throwing milkweed out, you know, and I'm looking at it off to my right and I'm like, yeah, that is pretty cool. How it all, you know, swirls and does whatever. Yeah. You know, I've been at this point, I've been hunting for like 10 days straight. So like, I'm just kind of just there, like I'm yeah. still like engaged, but I'm just, anything's a distraction at this point. And I look over to my left and there's a shooter coming at me at 60 yards. And I was like, oh, like, oh, shit, I don't have my release on. <laughs> so I grab my release. I get my release on as good as I can. I turn. I grab my bow and clip on at the same time. And as I turn, like, as I pull my bow off the bow hanger, I draw and he stops right at 10 yards. He's quartering at me. And I just sent it right into, right into his front shoulder and it exited out his opposite like armpit basically and, yeah i mean he was he was dead running so yeah that was pretty cool nice that was cool that nice. Was, yeah that was, my, that was my first iowa buck that's uh i had hunted that was my third year hunting iowa 
and uh, I've been holding out, holding out, holding out. And uh, I was kind of ready to shoot even like a 120 class or something like that. But he scored. He was a big. He was a big uh, mainframe eight with a split G two. I think he had like eight or nine inch brow tines. Uh, nice. He scored 139. So Iowa didn't give me the 140 mark. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right, man. Stair yep. step it. Stair step it up. Yeah, exactly. But the the exactly. cool thing was is that on on that property you had the you guys were chasing like a booner for sure. So a uh, couple, yeah, a couple, couple, yeah, couple big deer, and, and yeah. so and uh, it sounds like that Nebraska farm. You know, we've talked about that Nebraska farm for God, I don't even know how many years now, and it sounds like you guys are really starting to figure out figure it out when to go, where to be, and putting yourself in the right position. And it sounds like uh, you guys are just going to start snowballing success here, not only on the Nebraska farm, but the Iowa farm too. Hopefully, yeah. That Nebraska farm, I think EHD kind of hit that area pretty bad uh, two years ago. Uh, Just a real big drop in deer population. It used to be not every hunt would you see 20, 30, 40 deer, but in a week of hunting, you'd at least have three or four hunts where you'd see that many you know that many deer in in one day and now you're lucky to see a dozen in a day but there's still some good there's still some good mature bucks there um and it is strictly it is just a it's a rut spot i mean run cameras there year round and um run cell cameras there year round Uh oh and uh Uh oh right right Uh right and yeah they don't mature bucks don't really move in there till uh the very very end of october yeah so yeah um it's really not worth i mean it's it's, you know with nebraska you go out there september 1st and it's just like there's no point not for that farm at least so yeah for sure well congratulations uh on a great year man it sounds like you uh connected uh, and uh, had a good time in in both those states um so now we're gonna do a little transition here a little transition music do 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 all right and and now we're transitioning to the main topic and (laughs) I don't know where this is going to go, but I have I had to get you on because you were very passionate in the response you had. So Byron Horton, um, one of the network providers here on the uh, Whitetail Experience, he has he has some views on cell cams and he has some views on f- what fair ch- what you know this fair chase topic. And you know I, I had a good I you know it's always good to kind of hear other people's opinions who may oppose that so that people have both sides of the story they have both and it sounds to me like uh you kind of disagree with the whole cell cams and live feeds are 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 not fair chase argument and so that's what i kind of want to get in today and uh actually you sent me a whole bunch of talking points that uh, i looked over all valid and uh and and so I kind of want to have this conversation on on this pro pro cell cam, pro live feed, you know, again, trying to define what fair chase is type of conversation. And I think it's just good to get this all off of our chest and, and just have these conversations, because if you don't, then it's just, well, I disagree on this and I disagree and it's, and it just gets down to politics again. And when you disagree just to disagree with someone without hearing their, their opinions, then it does nobody any good. So Bob, do you have like a, a starter conversation or a starting starter topic that you want to touch on that gets the ball rolling on this conversation? 
I do. I have a whole page of notes. Um, first of all, a couple of disclaimers. Um, I've met Byron. I like Byron. I've listened to him on his podcast. He's a great dude. I just have simply differing viewpoints. Um, yeah, that's all. Um, yeah. I, I try to respect everyone's opinion. Um, the other thing is, I I'm not sure that I think a live a live stream is fair chase. I just think that the reality of live stream is different than what you guys were talking about. Okay. I just am not, I'm not seeing the realistic application of it in the field being as useful as what you guys were discussing, even what Mark Kenyon was talking about. Um, and I'm coming at from a place of strictly bow hunting. Okay. I'm not talking about cell cams and live stream and ever having a rifle in my hand. I don't, I typically don't rifle hunt because and uh, in the state of Michigan, we have this beautiful thing called steelhead. So I don't have to <laughs> bother myself with rifle hunting during steelhead season, which is typically starts out uh, in November. Okay. So, so but uh, anyway, but wait a second. All right. So if we're going to put the parameters of bow hunting on this conversation, I do have okay. to talk to you about the rifle aspect of it though. Okay. Right. Because right. there is, and probably will be people who, you know, hey, I'm sitting on my couch. Uh, oh my God, there's a, you know, I'm gonna live stream this food plot. Oh my God, there's a, a deer shows up. I'm gonna grab my rifle. Completely legal to do this. I hop over a, a hill. He's standing there. I pop him, and I shoot him, and he's dead. Right. And so yeah. And so when you when you're able to go at a longer distance like that, or able to use the technology like the example given does that muddy the waters for you at all yeah i mean i'll i'll play with your scenario so i don't i don't live on i, I don't live in a place where i can just go from the couch to up over a hill yeah and shoot a deer i'd have to drive to it um and it'd be, it'd be a half hour drive and i think that's private i mean a lot of hunters don't live on their their hunting property i gotta imagine i don't know that statistic um now i think that i think that technology actually already exists i know it does with exodus cameras they have an on-demand feature and you can once if you put your the cell cam on on demand you can take a photo whenever you want um that's been around for at least two years yeah um so that's not that's not really any different in my opinion um, if you're going to sit there and watch, I mean, I would assume a live feed would, f- it, it depends on the technology. Does a live feed turn on when the camera is triggered or is it just always continuously streaming? If well, it's always continuously you can go streaming, onto the app, you can go onto the app, you can hit a button and it will, it, it's basically FaceTiming the woods for you, right? So okay. you get to see through the, 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 uh, video live video of whatever the camera is pointing at yeah um yeah i don't i'm not i'm not big into to to that aspect aspect of it with especially with a rifle uh as a bow hunter i can lie i could live stream deer all the time and for me to still get within 30 yards of them and them not detect me from the ground like i just don't see that being realistic i'm not that good of a hunter I, I'm not that stealthy. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It'd be hard to sneak up to a to a buck. Even it doesn't matter if you glass them or if you 
FaceTime them or whatever, you still, as a bow hunter, you still have to get within probably 40 yards of that deer. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, yeah, I can shoot deer from the ground, but I haven't had a lot of success with that. So, yeah. or jumping it, you know, and I, and I heard some of your guys' arguments, um, and I don't want to jump ahead too far, but um, kind of knowing their bedding areas and their pockets and stuff like that. But to go back to um, live streaming, you know, from the couch, yeah, it's very beneficial for a rifle hunter. I don't see it being a great asset for a bow hunter. Um, and also, so the, you're using a lot of your own time to just sit there and watch a screen, which I don't know if you're, if that's what you want to do as a hunter and it's legal, I guess do it. Right. Yeah. That's your choice. Right. And, and so, I mean, from this point we could take it a thousand different ways. Right. And just because we have the technology of live streaming from an ethics standpoint, because a lot of the times and we've we've had this conversation before uh technology advances faster than ethics do and so um do you think that what we've discussed is is ethical if if a guy has the ability to 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 do that with a gun or let's say he knows his property good enough and let's just say he has patterned this deer through trail camera data he gets a trail cam, a cell, instant cell cam pick, which allows him to then drive 30 minutes, pop into the woods, sit on the opposite side of the farm where this deer is coming through, and and then get up in a tree before he gets there and, and shoot him. Is that ethical? It's legal, but is it ethical? Right. Um, well, I'm just going to give you a, a real-life situation that happened to me. Uh, in 2021, um, I have, I have, uh, uh, my, I call it my work property. Um, that's, I do wastewater treatment for a living this wastewater treatment plant that my company operates. It's on 50 acres of, of timber, but like the facility only takes up like an acre. Um, and it's surrounded by 50 acres of pretty decent hunting property in, in Michigan. And it's, it's open to the public, but it's gated off and it's blocked you know, one side's blocked by a highway, one side's blocked by like unhuntable school property. So like, it's a very unique access situation. Anyway, I had cell cams, uh, 2021 was the first year I really ran cell cams. I had a, I had a food plot strip I put in and I had a community scrape that I had a cell cam on. I think it was like October 18th at noon. I got a picture of the top buck, um, on that property. I had no intentions of hunting that evening, but I had all my stuff with me in my car because I mean, it's bow season, right? So I jump in a tree that night. Uh, I had a tree stand already set up probably about 80 yards from that scrape from where that I got that picture. Lo and behold, half hour before I got dark out, that buck comes out at 25 yards, hits that food plot. I shot him. Yeah. Nice 10 point, probably biggest Michigan buck I've shot. Would have never hunted that night it was like 60 degrees yeah you know not a cold front just a typical day i i had concerns pre-season about that situation let me tell you what that buck coming out hearing him get up out of his bed stepping right out on that food plot he's he i didn't have a shot at him for like five minutes because he was behind a couple different trees 
and then putting a shot on him and recovering him with my wife, I don't re- ever recall feeling like that was an unethical situation. Okay. Gotcha. I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel, I didn't really feel dirty about it. Um, and then I'll just give another scenario. One on second on that. Opposite. One second on that scenario. Were you like, when you got that picture of that number one buck on that property and you said, holy cow, I have the ability to go hunt this deer now. Did you get hyped up about that hunt that oh, night? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so the excitement yeah, was like, level was, was there because you knew a deer was there. And, and so mm-hmm. maybe as opposed to, let's say like a rut hunt where you lose track of a deer, you're going in blind to a spot and you're like, I can see from an excitement level that just being like, oh dude, it, it's, it's on tonight. He's close. As- Edge of your seat, yeah, right. You're on the edge of your seat because you know he's there. And and I don't know how I didn't know how far he moved through. I don't know. I mean, he, I was like, what is this? What is this buck doing at noon on a sixty degree day while it's sunny out? No weather pattern to to, to speak of. And it was I think it was October eighteenth. So it's not like it was. And he didn't even really hit the scrape. He just kind of walked through. So I didn't know if he even bedded down nearby. I don't know if he just kept walking. He hadn't even been around for. Yeah. Probably two or three weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So what was the, ex- go, yeah, go, go for the, uh, the, the next example. So later that year out in Nebraska, I was after a really, really big 10 point and I don't know, it's like November 11th or something like that. And, uh, at like one, like noon, one, two o'clock, something like that. I got a picture of him heading north he was on the north side of the farm and he was heading north and i had because of the wind i had already predetermined that i was going to hunt a southern stand where i had had an encounter with him two days before because of that trail cam picture i went to the north side of the farm okay my wife i never found i never ran into him my wife was tagged out she came she drove into the farm to pick me up and she got there like an hour before it got dark out. And that buck was walking in front of where I would have been sitting had I stuck to my original plan and not gotten that cell cam picture. I gotcha. So that cell, so a cell cam led me away from an opportunity. I'm not going to say it led me away from killing that deer because who knows? I don't know if I would have shot opportunity, but where she, where she drove by to pick me up is, you know, it's, 20 yards from a tree stand and yeah. there's a little opening there. So, so there's, it's hard to quantify how, how often a cell cam photo leads you away from an opportunity at a buck. We can, we can always quantify right. cell cam photo leading to a kill, but you can't always quantify it leading to a missed opportunity. Yeah. That's a great, that point. was one of my, that was one of my, one of my arguments when I was listening to you and Byron, it's like, eh, it's not as cut and dry as you guys are making it out to be. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree with what you're saying because I don't know how many times in my life I've been in the right, in what I felt has been the right spot. And just to take the cell camera out of this before I was using cell cameras, how many times I've seen a, uh, let's just say a big buck headed right towards me and I'm, I go, it's on and he does something and takes a left turn and drops down a ridge, crosses a field and doesn't ever come by me. And so yeah. we have to understand that deer are still in control of their own movement. 
and it's not like a video game where if you get this picture there it's guaranteed to come by at this point so yeah i i i completely get that um and so and so you've just provided two examples one one that is positive and then one that is negative so it's great that I mean, it, it's it's great that you've provided the the possibility of the uh, of the positive, you know, the the positive thing happening, but then also the real the realistic uh, outcome of just because you get a self cam pick doesn't mean you're going to get you know have contact contact with right. with that. And I think what will happen is the more these scenarios play out, positive or negative we'll start to see trends and everybody will, you know, if, if you're a numbers guy, you, you will see the, the numbers in favor or against whatever, you know, whatever it is that you accomplished. Right. Because some guys could say, dude, it's helped me 90% of the time. So they're going to say, dude, cell cams helped me 90% of the time. Or it could be like, hey, dude, I've gotten it. I made the decision. He showed up somewhere else, maybe on a different cell cam. And so it was a negative uh, interaction. So, um, yeah, it, it's, 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 I don't know. It, it's just like it can happen both ways, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, a comment was made about drones, right? Drones used to be legal uh, just five years ago or four, whatever it was, and they made them illegal. I don't, you know, if it becomes that easy for a hunter, and I'm just going to kind of specifically say a rifle hunter to start killing killing any deer, you know, let alone big bucks, uh, because of live streaming, yeah. I would assume that that's they're going to they're going to you know uh, the states, whoever game warns DNR, they're going to set rules against the live stream, yeah. just like they do with drones. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I would like to. Th- would like to think that so yeah whatever whatever would make it um you know i guess more fair to the animal is probably what the authorities will abide by and i do have a i have a note here um my first note was about those two those two uh cell cam stories uh from 21 um my next note is what is fair chase and there is no definition um you know boone and crockett says oh no improper unfair advantage um you know there's things that say like oh there's the the wikipedia like free ranging fair chance to escape um yeah the 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 no improper unfair advantage i guess uh, who's that's an opinion right right Uh, is 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 a bow today an unfair advantage compared to a bow 30 years ago a compound you know what i mean Mm -hmm. is a crossbow an unfair advantage to a to a compound bow so um i don't know there's another point that i have written down fair chase are people worried about fair chase as being fair to the animal or are you worried about being having a fair opportunity versus another hunter yeah yeah two two completely different things right yeah yeah man and and so so, so a fair chase also has to do, and, and we covered this as well is, is fair chase is also rules and regulations based, right? So right. in certain states you can bait in other states, that's not considered fair chase. Like in Iowa, you cannot bait 
And if you did, you would be breaking a game law, which in my opinion, if you break a game law, you are not adhering to fair chase. Um, And so that's where it gets, it kind of gets muddy, right? Uh, Because yeah, yeah, uh, I I forget Nebraska. No, Nebraska, you can't bait. Um, Let's say Michigan, but Michigan, you can't either anymore. I think I think you can bait in Nebraska. Oh, you can. I should probably check that out. Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 I don't know if you can. You can have a bait. You can have, I think the law in Nebraska is you can have bait or mineral, but you cannot hunt within 200 hunt. yards of it. Some, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, then Michigan, you used to be able to bait, but they, they um, made it illegal to try to combat um, the spread of CWD. Right. Right. So it's not really, it has nothing to do with really fair chase. It has to do with uh, herd health, right. basically. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, you have, you have uh, the definition of fair chase is muddy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about um, weapons. We've talked about ozone. We've talked, I mean, everything that a hunter, yeah. everything that a hunter buys is meant to dupe or fool or kill an animal and in in a way it's all technology driven just like a cell cam is right right but the cell cam is technology right it is it's boards and circuitry and 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 cell data and you know transferring data from one place to another when camo we don't think of camo and a compound bow or a rifle really as technology because it's they've been around for so long. Like the compound bow, yes, it's evolved, but it's not anything brand new, right? It's been around for right. like thirty some years now, and and so right. and so I think that's where anything new. I mean, at some point. I remember talking to a guy, man, on a real, real early episode where he was a, you know, he was a bow hunter, trad bow uh, guy. And then this was like, I don't even know when, uh, when the compound bow was introduced, but there was a huge uproar in the hunting and the hunting community and the archery community about this shouldn't be legal because they were throwing arrows so hard you know, at the, at the target. And now yeah. those, you know, that bow compared to a 2023 flagship bow from the top bow manufacturer is, I mean, just imagine shooting that first ever compound bow. I bet you guys would feel unsafe shooting it. <laughs> you know Probably, what I mean? Yeah. Com- compared to the, te- yeah. you know, the advancements in today's compound bows. So again, I, I just like, until a state agency or a, a, an organization comes up with what is fair chase and it won't, they won't because it will deter people from whatever, right? If they say, well, guess what? Uh, just imagine the uproar if an organization came out or a state agency came out and said, Hey, I just want to let you know that uh, any rifle shot uh, past 150, 200 yards it's not fair chase, right? Because the deer can't use its uh, senses to defend itself. Just imagine the chaos that would break loose in the hunting community. 
right? No I mean, doubt. It, it, like, no doubt about there it. There would yep. be riot. There'd probably be riots. There'd be Second Amendment talk. Yep. There'd be like all like yep. it would just get crazy real fast. And so I don't I don't see there ever being a a, a clear black and white definition of what is fair chase happening. Yeah, it's it's an interesting topic because I mean I think when you boil it down. It's just you're, you're talking about an unfair advantage that humans have over a deer. Yeah. Um, now, uh, a compound bow today, the technological advancements, um, I don't look at that as an unfair advantage. I think I look at that as a more ethical weapon, right? Right. That's, uh, you know, you're, you have a quicker, cleaner kill um, than what we had in the past. So um, another, another point for technology and an unfair advantage. What about weather forecasts? right you know yeah. humans get to forecast we get to know what the weather's going to do a day two days three days by the hour you what, know when the what wind way the wind direction change. yeah wind direction yeah. huge i mean that that you alone that gets you over a deer yeah that yeah. alone so gets you, you know close. a deer's going to get up and move so i mean so i think if if, if we can't settle on what is fair chase because it's not defined then yeah you have to go to ethics yeah. and what i mean and ethics is going to vary for each hunter so yeah um i have a whole bunch of different notes on this um like opinion you know a lot of it's opinion too right none of it's exactly fact so i think kind of part of it what it boils down to is if you don't want to hunt with that piece of technology then just don't do it yeah if you want to byron's point about your kids and teaching them about deer. I don't have kids, but like, if you don't want your kids to learn about hunting through the technology of cell cams and live stream, then don't, Yeah. then don't you, you, you control what they learn, teach them about the deer tracks in the muddy Creek. It's, yeah. You don't, I mean, what, until they're 16, 18, whatever, you kind of drive what the information that they consume. Right. And that's a great point because I feel that method of like just in life in general, right? If there's somebody going over, uh, honestly, my look at, um, at life is there's someone over here doing something. I may disagree with their lifestyle, with, um, their decisions that they make, how they approach their life. But at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. Right. I don't care what this person is doing. I don't care what my neighbor is doing. If it starts to affect my children, then there might be a little bit of an issue. But I'm in control of that. I'm in control of my children. Right. I'm, I'm, I don't want people to preach to my children about certain things. Uh, that's my job. Um, but you in your house, you do what you want to do out in the woods. If it's legal, you do what you're, you want to do. I just don't I don't think it's right for people to follow a law do you know do something that is legal and then have someone else come up and go uh, 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 i don't think that's the right thing to do when right. it's just like hey man uh it's legal people don't have the same time as you people don't have you know people don't like everybody's different right and so and so yeah. what, and, and so if it bothers you just ignore it right and so yeah. you can you can do or say whatever you want because that's that is the um, that's the American way, right? Freedom of speech. You can, dude. You can say and do whatever you want, but also the other people can say and do whatever they want. 
And so I just, I am not the type of person who likes to be preached to. I'm not the type of person who likes to be told what to do. And, uh, um, I, I follow all wild game laws, but if I'm doing something and another person says, well, for example, I'll just say if a trad guy came up to me and goes, really, you're disgracing bow hunting because you use a compound bow. I'd just be like, dude, I got some balls you can put in your mouth. Right. So like, right. like, uh, two of them. Yeah. Two of them. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, I, I mean, that would probably be my answer to them. And so I, I just, I don't like it when people preach, um, especially when it, yeah. when it, in a way I can understand where they're coming from, but don't for one second think that you're also being a bit divisive in, in, yeah. in what it is you're trying to accomplish here. You can voice your opinion. That's fine. But in a way, what you're doing, and this is what happens when you, you do something like this. If I, if, if I had a conversation, if we were having this conversation, and if, if it was less open-ended and more, uh, Bob, I disagree with you. What you're doing is wrong. Then what we have is the people who agree with you and who disagree with me, we are, we're just getting further apart instead of becoming a community that communicates with each other. And it's again, hunters hating hunters, right? Uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, the hunting community is its own worst enemy when it comes to uh, yep. topics like this. And so what we have is we have all this shit talking that happens, right? Unless you're straight up lying to somebody, like if you're going, Hey, I couldn't have, you know, I, I don't know. Like if you're lying to someone in your message, then you should be called out for it. If you're doing something that breaks the law, then you should be called out for it. But if you're doing it and it's legal and it's ethical, and again, that's a, that ethical is kind of a, is an opinionated muddy water gray area in, in some, in some aspects, then, then you should be called out. But if not, man, just go, just let him, let that person live their own life. So um absolutely yeah i and I've, I've got i've got a the main note i have at the top of my page of notes is why care about how other people hunt yeah yeah so yeah i mean if if that person uh, here's where i feel i a person should care I, like bob you don't really document your hunts you don't have you're not making any money off the hunting industry from from doing this um, you're going out, you're having your hunt or, you know, a guy down the street, you're doing what you want to do. It's all legal. No problem. Here's where I have a, a little bit of an issue is when we have people who are, I, I'm going to just use the, the, the shitty word of influencer. And that can mean mm -hmm. someone just on social media that can mean in a way myself from doing this podcast and getting paid to promote products. When you have someone who is similar to a television show host or a influencer or a podcast host spewing something that is, uh, I would say unrealistic or, you know, or they, they say a message without giving the full detail of whatever it is like, Hey man, this is what you need to do to be like me. Well, number one, we hunt in two different States. Is there, let me just ask you this. Is there a difference between Michigan and Iowa? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So, so yeah. how can, yeah. like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing that. 
I shouldn't like right. I, I should be saying, here's my story. Take what you want out of it. But I shouldn't right. be propping that up to people who are maybe uneducated about the whole thing. I mean, most people, I would assume, have the ability to weed out bullshit information. But at the same time, I mean, so so that's basically just a rant of me saying, hey, listen, uh, like everybody should go enjoy their own hunt. Share your stories. Talk about the tactics and the tips and, and, and things like that. But just also know that there is a responsibility to be truthful about how you do it, when you do it, and not to prop it up on revenue. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, you're, 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 you're hitting on a topic that I would love to dive a, a bit further um, into. I mean, a, a, another argument I've heard about this cell cams and technology and whatever it might be is we're getting away from the traditions of hunting and why we hunt and this and that. And I hear it from influencers. I hear it from social media. Um, Mark Kenyon just had a big, long, uh, thing on live streaming. And I, again, I respect Mark. I know Mark on a personal level. My wife went to high school with him. Um, so, so nothing bad about Mark, but in my eyes as not being part of that community that, that gets paid. I don't, I don't get paid because I deer hunt or I post photos of dead animals. Um, you know, so if, if we're worried about cell cams and live streaming, worrying like ruining the, or getting, moving us in a direction away from their traditions of hunting and why we hunt, then like, let's get off social media. Let's stop using a natural resource, an animal for income, for revenue. It's all the same. It's all in the same pot one way or another. Yeah. So now with that said, it's a very important to say there's a ton of great things that come out of social media influencers such as yourself, such as Mark, such as Byron, you name them, tons of information shared. So I don't, I don't want to get accused of bashing these dudes, but it's just like, what, I mean, I get what they're saying, but it's like, where's the, the line? way we hunt right now. Exactly. The, it, deer hunting was never meant to be shared instantly on social media. I mean, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's a weird place that we're in right now. Yeah. And with, it, uh, I, I with think, the industry and technology. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with, oh man, I just lost a really good point. But anyway, um, it, you know, the, the whole social media thing, again, social media is a technology that has been brought into everybody's life and every aspect of everybody's life is shared. Most of it positive, but some of it can be negative. Like no one ever shares more people share, Hey, I shot this deer congratulations to me but not like there's way less people who share oh dude i just shanked a shot or i hit him in his ass and you know like a lot of people just don't share that that type of that reality but yeah um from you know if, if you're if you're saying one thing but also living like make like so here's the comment i was going to make if you're like, if you're taking away from, if you're making a living from the natural resource and you're not giving back to it in some way, shape or form, I have a big, I have a big problem with that. Right. And so a lot of people aren't, and that's where I get, uh, that's where I get fired up is when people just, they they make their money off deer hunting, but then they don't, 
I'm not saying that anybody that we've talked about today has done that, but there are people who do do that. They, they make their money in the hunting industry. They, they make their money by killing a natural resource, but then they do nothing to give back to it. And I had a really good conversation with, um, Paul Campbell and we were talking about the differences between whitetail hunting and turkey hunting. And he's like, one reason that he feels that turkey hunters are more passionate about, um, about their natural resource and tend to give back more is because for some people in the United States, the wild turkey is a conservation success story where they were introduced a long time ago into all these different states and they had thriving populations and people, people who didn't hunt got to hunt. They gave all this time and energy into reintroducing turkeys into this new, into these environments. And they don't ever want to see that happen again. I don't feel like deer hunters have had to face that type of adversity, uh, direct, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, huge population crashes. Now one could argue in a, in a specific part of a region, a CWD or EHD would hit and, and that, but they've been rebounded like they rebound, but like, just imagine if all of a sudden the uproar of, if we had to close a season cause there's not enough deer, right? Holy cow. Shit would hit the fan right then. So, mm-hmm. um, one point that I kind of want to kind of moving forward here is the argument me and Byron got into a, a topic about hunting, like whitetail hunting, becoming a rich man sport and having disposable, like people with more disposable income have the ability to go out and spend obviously. And really what it comes down to is spend more of their income on deer hunting so let's just say and this is i'm going to use the only example i know how um uh, uh, an attorney uh, a doctor uh a nascar driver a country music sensation they all have a lot of money all right They, they make more money and they want to spend that money on deer hunting as opposed to a guy who goes to, you know, a, shit, I, I don't even know. I think a garbage guys in our city make decent money. But someone who is in, I don't know, a factory job, works in night, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know yeah. shift work type things. And, it, and, and so they don't make as much money. And, uh, you know, and so they have less money maybe the same percentage but less overall dollar to spend on on hunting uh and it sounds to me like you have your uh, your opinion on this i i do i have a note that just says uh, it's just it's more of a thought just to make sure i brought it up um i, I kind of wasn't going to because it can be a sensitive subject yeah i hear what you're saying if you got if you have you know if you have disposable income I don't know if this was relating more to, I remember you and Byron talking about it. Um, and he talked about like one of his neighbors had like a, a farm hand or, a uh, an, you know, a, oh, almost an outfitter, like, a guy, like a, an, outfitter an outfitter that now, because he has cell cams, he doesn't need to pay, yeah. uh, some kid or, or somebody to go right. check all of his trail cameras for him. So, right. cause they check themselves. 
So he was yeah, able there, there was, to, yeah, to get rid of right. something and he was able to buy more land or lease more land displacing more hunters because cell cams cover more ground and thus he's able to take on more clients. Right. And I don't want this to sound dumb, but like, isn't that America? Isn't, isn't that like the, what we're based off mm -hmm. of? We're based off the opportunity and isn't America like one of the best countries in the world to hunt? You know, you go, you go to Europe and it's like, I think it is like a, it truly is like, you have to be part of a club. Yeah. There isn't public land over there. Right. I think what it's all, it's Australia, Canada, and the U S that have like all the public land set up. Right. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but, um, so yeah, we have this great resource because of how our country has protected and, and made public land available. Um, and that ties into, if I have more money than you, uh, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't suffer any penalties that I can afford more land or more cameras or a better bow or whatever it might be. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, it's kind of the, it's kind of the, like uh, the adage of you want more money, work more, work harder. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It's America. So especially right now, I mean, it's a different topic, but right now where there's like two jobs available for every one person that's unemployed. I mean, it's, yeah, it's the, the labor market right now. is kind of crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I got, got, I, I'm in, I'm in management and we have guys leaving all the time for higher paying jobs. Yeah. So, um, it's a weird, I mean, McDonald's is paying 20 bucks an hour. It's kind of a weird, right. Right. I don't know the money aspect, the money part of it. Just, it's not really, uh, I don't know. Probably didn't do a good job of talking on that one. It, you just don't feel, you don't feel that. So, so here, let me just, I'll, I'll say my piece on this in Iowa. We have less than 2% public lands. There are counties in Iowa that, that have zero places to hunt that are public, maybe a boat ramp or along a river, you know, that might be core engineering mm -hmm. ground. But majority of, I think, I'm trying to think, the, the county that my dad grew up in, I don't think has any public land. But he was on the north side right. of, account, of that county. Uh, it was basically, it is all agriculture. I mean, it is all farm ground uh, up there. So anyway... Um, here's, so now we have X amount of people in Iowa that are, that can only hunt, um, public ground now. And I've, I've been a part of this. I've seen it firsthand, the evolution of Iowa, uh, especially the Southern, you know, South of interstate 80, um, outfitters creep in non-resident landowners creep in. And now what we have is we have a displacement of hunters and these hunters first go to public land they've realized that it is now there's a lot of other hunters opened up to this public like public land and so i can understand where byron's going from because i've been displaced myself on several properties um, i've had to go find new properties to hunt i've had to go you know, I, I used to be 100% private ground. Now I'm probably 80 to 90% private 
public ground. So the, even though I have had the opportunity to go in and, and hunt private ground, which really in some areas, that's all there is, or you can, or you knock on doors, you get permission. And so one thing that I've, I, I feel like this technology does is exactly what they say, where there's an opportunity for a guy to put a, a cell cam on his property on, on a property he gets pictures of big deer he's not a deer hunter an outfitter comes in and goes hey man i'll pay i will pay you money to hunt this property that guy goes absolutely two guys who are already hunting maybe uh usually in iowa i would say there's a bow hunter or two and then a shotgun crew that comes through there every year all of those people are displaced so now when that happens, we have an area that is still hunted, but it's not as evenly distributed anymore. And so now the the uh, imp, like the concentration of people listening to or uh, the concentration of people hunting in a certain area just gets up and public land gets stacked. And I, I trust me, I hunt public in Iowa and I can tell you right now that during the rut there are multiple cars in a lot of these parking lots in order to get you know in order to get uh, uh, in a good spot um, that's a really good point I guess I didn't think about it that way um, I personally don't lease anything I don't I don't uh, hunt public either yeah um, everything I hunt in Iowa or Nebraska is all permission yeah. Um, it's all private ground. It's all knocked on doors. Got it. But um, I don't know. There, there's, there's just so I, many layers. There's so many layers. And, you know, just well, we're going to have to get, I think hunters are going to have to continue to get, you know, if they get pushed out of a private piece, they're going to have to continue to get resourceful. And then, you know, they say hunter numbers are dwindling. So if that is true, is as time goes on, is there going to, is it going to, be is it going to bail them i mean in order to like in order to play this game right i don't ever see anybody going uh well i'm just going to start paying to hunt most people i feel are going to be like hey i am going to stop hunting all right so now what we have here is on this sheet that you sent me is we have a list of pros and cons. And so let's just go through the pros first of, I guess, is it, how, how do you have this? Is this pros of cell cams or? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. pros of cell cams. It's not really pros of live stream, but it's pros of cell cams. All right. Um, the first one is it's easier to identify the mature buck in your area and the oldest deer in your area. And I believe that is kind of one of the main pillars of herd management is, you know, if you're, if you're worried about, if you're trying to follow quality deer management, you want to shoot, you want to kill your, your highest age class. Right. Um, whether it's trail cameras or cell cameras, either one, they're, they're, they're a giant, they're an awesome tool for that. Right. Um, so ba basically is, being able to ahead. identify, identify specific deer and i mean you could elaborate that into herd health you could elaborate that into different species like turkey reproduction um fawn 
you know, fawn success rate, uh, you know, total herd numbers, uh, sex ratios. If you wanted to, you know, as far as just monitoring deer in general, it's a huge pro. It is. Yeah. Um, it also, it also during hunting season or even during any part of the year, it can keep you off of your hunting property because you, you don't need to be there. Um, which when you are on a piece of hunting property and you bump deer, that is, that is stress on a deer herd Yes, and stress on a deer herd is not healthy for them. Yeah. Uh, whether it be the, you know, winter time, you bump them, it's deep snow, whatever it might be. There's not a lot of food for them. Um, you know, even hunting season, if you're going in and checking cameras, you might bump them off your property. Um, and maybe they get hit by a car. Maybe they, you know, another hunter, uh, has an opportunity to, to harvest. So, so we could say, um, we could call that pressure management. Yeah. Yeah, you could R- reduction of stress on a deer herd. There you go. I know a lot of biologists talk about if you remove stress from a deer herd, uh, watch their antlers get bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yep, absolutely. Um, I think the, the biggest one, I really, uh, the biggest advantage, the biggest pro is guys that have, or not, not guys, but uh, guys or gals, hunters that have a family yeah. that have kids. I got a buddy, I got a buddy I was talking to about this exact topic. And he's like, dude, he's like, I've got a 10 month old and a three year old and a wife that's kind of a little bit more demanding on my time than I would desire. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, so for, and he's got, he's got a, a family property. It's 200 acres in Northern Michigan. Um, it's two hours from his house. So he's like to kind of, he's like, he only gets to go up there maybe three, four days a year. And he kind of bases it around the rut. And it's like for him to have that knowledge and that, that time, um, that time management and be efficient, like he can kind of have a better opportunity for a successful hunt up on that property. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest advantage for all hunters. It's just not spending on, I don't want to say unnecessary time away from home, but you're, you're getting, you're getting quality time in the deer woods. Therefore you can have some quality time at home. How yeah. about that? Yeah. How's that? Yeah. And, and so. so one could argue that cell cams will make your wife happier. There you go. There, And that's really what, guy, what guys want. Um, but yes, I will attest to that, that the ability to have my cameras, my, uh, the ability to have my picture sent to my phone the the efficiency benefit we me and Byron you know we talked about that the efficiency of this it allows me to do what I want without having to leave the house go because I I live an hour away in order to check all my trail cameras and then drive an hour back home it it would be it would be a six seven hour event all right and then I have another property that is longer more you know further away than that yet. And that is still, uh, so that would be more time on that smaller property, but, um, a drive. So, you know, a multi, you know, two, so we're looking at five total hours of driving in a single day, maybe six, depending on how you break it down to, and then go out and check trail cameras. So that's going to be, you know, whatever, Uh, more than, more than likely it would be an overnight event. 
And so what cell cams for me really do when it comes to this topic is it allows me to just watch my cell cam pictures come in and the pictures and the deer and that, but also know, hey, I don't need to go out and check these cameras for another 30 days, 40 days. You know, I can watch that battery life creep down because the, the app is telling me that. And so I can, I can plan accordingly. I can tell my wife, hey, listen, I'm going to go check my trail cameras in five weeks because that's typically how much time I have left on on my batteries before they die yep and so it just it just makes me it would make me more efficient and it allows me to spend less time checking trail cameras and more time doing other things building those brownie points for the upcoming season yeah or maybe or maybe it would give you more time to put food plots in the ground that yeah. provide nutrition for the deer all winter long when there's yeah. nothing else for them to eat. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts of different things that you can use that time for. Absolutely. Um, another, another, one of the last pros I have for it. Um, don't, I gotta pull my notes back up is, uh, Oh, this is, and this is a real, real world example that happened to me this year. Um, my wife shot a buck, hit it low, um, took hair off the belly, but we did have blood. And because it happened so fast, she wasn't exactly sure if it was just a low fatal hit or a low non-fatal hit. So she shot at like 4 p.m. I don't know, call it November 6th, something like that. We waited till the next day. Um, we went in in the you know after the morning hunt. We tracked. We were we got on his blood. Probably trailed him for 300 yards through uh, the timber. Uh, I have no idea how many deer we spooked, but obviously laying scent everywhere, obviously disrupting the farm. Blood trail went right by uh, kind of where the blood trail ended. It went by a regular trail camera. Checked yeah. the trail camera, saw that he was perfectly fine at 7 p.m. from that night when he got shot at 4 p.m. Um, had that been a cell cam, I probably would have started there and not disrupted the whole woods. And I also kind of would have felt more comfortable about not really worrying about that deer being fatally wounded. Right. Um, so there's, there's another advantage to it. Yeah. 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 And that would, that could potentially help in, in an ethical deer recovery. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's I've got see. one major con. Yeah. Oh, let's hear, yeah. Let's hear these cons. The biggest one is uh, lack of developing woodsmanship actual deer hunting skill right yeah and so this this argument what you're about to say is some you know how certain people weigh different topics um have like more less more or less heavy they weigh them different and so yep. what you're about to say may be a simple con to you but to some people this is a big deal like some of the people i've talked to like they feel like this cell camera has taken away the need to be a woodsman out of the equation. And you can still go and kill a deer without knowing anything about how to hunt really. And so finish your thought on this though. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think you'll ever be as good a hunter. Um, if you, if you lean on cell cams, you're not going to be as good at hunting as, if you developed your own woodsmanship skills, your own hunting skills, 
case in point, Andy May. Yeah. You listen to what that dude talks about with with how trails come together and oh, what's the most efficient place for a buck to go to pick up, you know, three different, you know, he can scent check three different spots by standing in one place. Hearing him talk about that stuff, you don't get that. You don't get that information. You don't get that skill through any sort of cell cam. No. Like that's real that's real in the like that's real world hunting experience, scouting experience. Um, and that's that's the biggest drawback to cell cams. Yeah. You know, you listen to Andy May, who I, I regard as probably one of the best just DIY bow hunters that I've ever heard of. Um, I listen to I listen to everything that he talks about. Some of it doesn't apply to what I do because I don't hunt in the same areas as him. Uh, Northern Michigan's never gonna hunt like Iowa or uh, you know Kentucky and some of the places like that. But um, if I'm going to Iowa, I'll listen to his Iowa strategies. But uh, anyway, um, oh shoot, I lost my lost my train of thought. Uh, Con so woodsmanship. Yep. <laughs> Still. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> no, but I think I think we understand the the point that uh, you're getting at here is a cell cam cannot replace observation, slowing down, yep. observing, yep. Uh, and absorbing how deer move through the terrain. Any terrain. Yep. I I got my thought back. So yep. I listened to Andy May talk about it, and he's the way he got so good at hunting is he spent every waking moment when he was younger scouting hunting just consuming all things deer hunting yeah and that now he doesn't have to spend as much time doing it it's just he has that base knowledge he has that foundation and it clicked with me because i spent my younger years uh steelhead fishing i mean every waking moment i was cutting class i was skipping high school skipping college and i was going steelhead fishing and now today Steel fishing is something that's very easy for me and I'm very successful at. And I listen to guys that are getting into it that talk about, you know, catching a steelhead's like catching a unicorn. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that hard, man. <laughs> um, but it's, I have that base knowledge. I have that foundation and it, I relate it to what Andy May was talking about. It's like, shit. I, I mean, it's it, for me, it's like, I'm start right now. I'm starting where he was maybe when he was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, something like that. I'm starting that as a 35 year old. It's like, so I can't expect, you can't expect to be on the same level as someone else when they have that type of knowledge, those years of, of knowledge and information. Yeah. And that's something you're never going to get with cell cam. Now you can use that cell cam data, um, but you're just, it's not the same as real boots on the ground in, in March, in yeah. April, you know, shed hunting, all that type of stuff. How terrain, uh, you know, like how terrain affects wind, how, you know, how thermals affect uh, scent cones, you know, how all that kind of, you know, all that stuff. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I, I, I agree that there is a bit of, now, I feel that a guy with woodsmanship and how to, a guy who also knows how to properly use a cell cam it just makes them that much more deadlier. Oh, for totally agree. Yeah. Totally yep. agree. Well, um, any, any and honestly, f- if, yeah. if you don't, if, if, if you're getting into hunting and you don't want to develop your woodman woodsmanship and you still want to be successful, then yeah, I guess trail cameras, cell cams, whatever it might be. It's a great tool to lean on as are 
podcasts and YouTube videos and all the other information that's at our fingertips. Yeah. Um, but if you want to run them, but you still want to develop that, those skills, you still have that opportunity. You still have that choice. You can make that decision to immerse yourself and dive into it and learn and teach and uh, consume everything that the woods has to offer year round. There, there's no, just because it's easy to use a cell cam doesn't mean you don't have to do that. It's the yeah. same thing that we were talking about with kids. Yeah. You don't want your kids to treat hunting as a video game and a uh, cell cam, then don't have them, don't, don't give them access it. to it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Good point. Great point. Uh, I'm not a dad. I'm not a dad though. Not yeah. a parent. Yeah. Hey, by so, the way, disclaimer. Uh, by the way, do you have a dog? I do not. I have oh, no pets, oh, no responsibilities, no dude, ties. That's awesome, dude. Cause I, we just got a dog and I hate its guts. I mean, I hate, <laughs> it. I hate it. Like I want it to run away. I, all it does is shit all is over the puppy? place. It's a puppy. Yeah. I, uh, the amount of money that I spent on this dog for my wife and daughter, because my sons don't care the amount of time that I've spent, that our money that I spent on this, I would assume that this dog would be doing my taxes for me. And so with it just basically chewing on everything. And I know it's a puppy, blah, 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 blah. Right. right. I, like my, our family had no business getting this dog. We're so busy. And so now like, like this dog just kind of runs wild in our house. I'll step on a, I'll step on some pee or, you know, there'll be a turd laying in on the carpet somewhere and I'll just be like, Oh my God. What, uh, what breed is it? It's a cockapoo. I don't know what a cockapoo is. It's half poodle, half cocker spaniel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so it has no value. I mean, it, like it, if like I can't go out, I could, I could probably try to teach it, but it's not going to be a shed hunting dog. It's not going to go re retrieve pheasants for me. It's just a pillow dog, right? It just lays on, lays down and, and you play catch with it. And so my wife's whole thought process on this was, it's going to be a good opportunity for the kids to learn responsibility. I'm like, if they haven't res like learned responsibility by now, I'm sorry, a dog is not going to help them out. So anyway, screw that dog is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Yeah, give it time. Give yeah. it time. You'll see the you'll see the rewards. Yeah. They're cute. They're yeah. cute dogs. Yeah. I do love dogs. I just don't uh when we want to leave, when my wife and I want to leave for two or three weeks at a time. Yeah. It's not we just don't feel like it's the right thing to do. Yep, I feel you. I feel you. Well, man, we covered a lot in today's episode. Thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on and uh BS with us a little yeah. bit and, and kind of get the the opposing view in in a way of what it is that we talked about on on the first yeah. go round of this and uh man we'll, we'll have to we'll have to actually get on here pretty soon and talk more deer hunting absolutely and it's not you know it's not necessarily always an opposing view it's just kind of a different angle yeah. on yeah on it you know it's not I don't think cell cams make deer hunting really any easier. Uh, maybe I'm just not, a, I mean, I'm definitely not a great hunter. I'm average at best, but, uh, you know, bow hunting could be just a touch easier and I'd be okay with that. So. <laughs> I feel you. I, I can understand that. All right, Bob, man, appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, Dan. 
And there you have it. Huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Punt and Vortex. Also be sure to check out fishandwildlife.org. Huge shout out to Bob for taking time out of his day. He's passionate about what he does. And uh, dude, you know, you got to have both sides of the story. Whether you agree or disagree, we have to learn how to communicate with each other. And that is the most important thing. And so uh, um, huge shout out to Bob for taking time out of his day. Huge shout out to each and every one of you, man. 2023 is going to be a good year. Let it be a good year. Make it be a good year. Do your scouting right now. The time is now to get out and uh, look for all the, the uh, you know, I'm going to do a podcast on this here pretty soon. It's going to be a very quick one uh, because although the, te- the information is already out there, it's also good to have a reminder that this time of year, while the vegetation is off and the hunting seasons are done, is the best time to get in the woods and do your scouting. So that's it. Good vibes in, good vibes out. And if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. We'll talk to you next week.